Welcome to Lamenting the Leafs. I'm Cam with Nick and Keith. And the Maple Leafs are into the All-Star break on a nice little three-game winning streak, including a home-and-home sweep of the Jets. And I realize this is not a terribly brave take after, you know, you kick their ass up and down the the ice and they scored one goal that wasn't a garbage time goal the entire two games. But Paper Tigers, man, <laughs> the Jets. I was I was looking at some numbers uh, when we were looking at recording last week, just going into this home and home. And obviously, we're coming off the heels of, of you know, kind of a tough one against Vancouver. But like the Jets and the Canucks, only thing those two teams are leading the league in is PDO right now, as far as I'm concerned. So what is it that they say? What's better than beating the Jets? So, uh, it, <laughs> What's better than losing it, it, it the Leafs? Nice. <laughs> I mean, to, to be fair, the, the Jets were without um, Mark Shifley for both of those games. Pretty important player to them. You know, he, he really loves playing against the Leafs. But I, I think the, like, the overarching theme was that, like, as disappointing as the Leafs have been at times this season and, you know, with how poorly they've played in certain aspects and for long stretches of the season, they're really not that far away from the Jets who are, who have been, I guess, one of the, the top teams in the league this season. So, you know, uh, a, a couple more of these streaks and being able to build off of what they did heading into the break here. And it, it's, it's really not hard to group the Leafs into that contender status if, you, if you've got the Jets in there. Yeah, certainly not much, much um, that was overly impressive about them. Their power play sucked. Um, oh, man, brutal. They, they had like nothing. No, left. they had nothing going. And, and listen, I mean, I don't profess to watch a ton of Winnipeg Jets games, but, you know, they could have just been off. But there was nothing about them that really made sense to – I don't know to why they have had the season that they've had other than Connor Hellebuck can just win a whole bunch of games by himself. And I don't know if that's what's been happening there. Again, not necessarily yeah, an expert on the Jets, but, but I mean, Brassois numbers have been like his. Yeah, ex- that's a good point. He's had a really good year too. So maybe there is something to the team in front I of think them. But it's just when they don't really lock it down, like they aren't going to win too many games where they need to score more than three goals. It's hard yeah. to envision that team just having the offensive firepower to win consistently if they're not getting the goaltending and defensive play that they've gotten so far. Yeah, because if it's not Kyle Connor, who is it, right? Like they don't <laughs> yeah. necessarily have a ton of offensive firepower. Yet. Well, uh, I mean, to talk about the the streak here heading into the All Star break for the Leafs, like you got to go right back to Ilya Samsonov. Like yeah. this is uh, obviously you know nice to nice to have the team kind of clipping along, but like this is this is what happens when your goaltenders aren't only stopping eighty eight percent of their shots or whatever the fuck. Man, right? we would have so, taken eighty eight percent. It was like eight four yeah, or something exactly. I think, before he came back from his little uh, mental break there. But yeah, man, he's been spectacular ever since getting back into the yeah, net. And he- and he's been better than just adequate, right? Yeah. Like he's been better than just like, you know, Jones has been solid. That's what you've, you know, mm-hmm. as much as you could kind of hope for from Jones. And, and Samsonov has been a little more than that, giving you a little hope, maybe. Looked, I mean, I'm not ready to say anything grand and sweeping here, but there were elements of the last few games where I felt like I was watching the same goalie that beat Tampa in the playoffs, where yeah. he's still a little busy in the net. And he still kind of makes the butt cheeks clench a little bit. And he'll still like overplay a shot and end up halfway <laughs> in the corner. But pucks are hitting him. And and he's, you know, he's making those like timely saves on 
odd man rushes and breakaways and, and things man, like, like that. The, the two on O against the Jets, like <laughs> yeah, on the power play. That was that was absurd. And it was really cool to to see the the crowd in Toronto really get behind him after that. And like even the the whistle that ensued shortly after that, like they got back yeah. up on their feet, gave him another ovation. And that's been huge for him, right? Because like He's admitted as much. Most of his struggles have been based on the, the mental part of the game and just not being able to get his head right. So, th- obviously, to be able to you know put string together some strong performances has got to be great for his confidence. I haven't read the article, or no, sorry, it wasn't an article. I think it was Luke Fox was on JD Bunkus's podcast because I heard uh, Sammy talking about it on Kipper and Bourne. But basically, Samsonov's dad flew over. Yeah. To Toronto and just basically sat him down and said, "Starting to fuck up, like that's basically yeah. like, like almost like, hey, you're this, you're this is your last, not last chance, but like kind of at getting a big contract, like setting yourself yeah. up for the future. Like, wh- what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Like, that's I actually hey, love that's that what story, it takes. Man. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's so good. Yeah. I mean, like, I'll fully eat crow on this one because <laughs> I just didn't think that this was going to turn around, like, much less to say, like, how how quickly it's, it's you know, changed here, right? Like, it, it was an immediate flip. I, I thought that, like, when he went down at the start of the new year, it's like he's going to be down there for, you know, three to you know, four, five, six weeks it might be the trade deadline before we see him again. And he, here he is back up like a, what, a week later, two weeks later. And, you know, then goes on a nice little run before the month is even out. And I just didn't think he had it in him at this point. So good. on. Well, him. it felt like he was going to need a, a bit of a break from the ice altogether. And then I think everyone assumed that it was going to take a, a, a really impressive kind of sustained stint with the Marlies before he got himself back into that conversation. But, you know, in hindsight, it, you kind of have to, you know, give the Leafs and their staff credit for the way that they handled him and just kind of sending him away altogether, just give him a complete mental break from everything, the day-to-day of preparing for games, getting ready for practice, everything. And just let him get his head straight and have him come back and give him another look. And if it had gone the other way, it would have been easy to, to fault them for not trying to build him back up through the minors. But, you know, it, it's it's worked so far. And I think everyone involved deserves a lot of credit for being able to turn this around, mostly Samsonov himself. Yeah, I think when, when it all kind of ha- like happened, I, I completely understood sending him down. But I also didn't really have an issue with when they called them up. I saw like a lot of people having an issue with that and this isn't like me having some great crystal ball here or anything i just i didn't really care or i didn't i guess i had i could understand them wanting to try to use him again and for that same kind of reason it, it's this it, that's the same reason why i'm not necessarily all in that he's back like yeah there's just so much wild variance with goaltending performance now, understand, like, yes, he, he was quite literally the worst goalie in the league, I think, by almost most metrics. So it's not like he just had a rough little patch. Like, he, it was bad, and, and it warranted being put on waivers and all that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there, there's – he could I, – I don't want to be negative and, and put this kind of stuff out there, but he very easily could could swing back to being an 880 goalie over the next three or four games, and it wouldn't be surprising at all. Like, there's no, there's no predicting this shit unless you have – you know, Hellebuck and Vasilevsky and Demko, and even with those guys, they they don't they have off seasons sometimes. So I don't know. It's 
I don't know. Not not all that shocking that he was able to do it. I'm glad he did. Um, but I'm curious now, like how how long is the rope is the leash with him? Like if he has, yeah. like I'm not saying like uh, he gets fucking shelled like seven goals or something. But like if he goes out and lets in four and they lose, you know, six or if they you know they lose like four three or something, like are we are we all of a sudden ready to get Jones back in there for a run? Like. I don't know how that's going to play I think out. you're riding him until, you know, I, I think you're riding him. If he's still hot coming out of the break, you ride him as long as he's hot. And then, like, I, I think that the ideal situation is you want all three guys once, you know, Wall is mm. back and maybe he'll be close to that once, you know, they're back on the ice. Like, you want all three guys, you know, in a nice little groove down the stretch. So I, I would think, you know, you're probably just going to kind of shuffle it around and, and let whoever's hot take it but um but are you yeah, are you all three guys are hot are you willing to move one of like you're not going to move wall but like are you willing to move one at the deadline to get some assets like you don't need three goalies going into the playoffs hopefully i just can't see them doing that like with the way that the entire goaltending position has played out for them this season you know the injury to wall uh, Samsonov literally having one of the worst stretches of goaltending <laughs> in the salary cap era. Like that's not an exaggeration. It, it, it was, yeah. it was that bad. It was awful. I don't think that there's, you know, anything that's going to happen in the next month and a bit before the trade deadline here. That's going to totally erase those ghosts in their, in their minds. So I, I see them probably rolling with all three guys here, uh, at least for a while, but it, it's not really, uh, a tenable situation for an extended period of time, right? Like no. even thinking about practice, like there's two nets <laughs> and then, you know, you've, you've got it's one very goalie strange to have three NHL goalies. Like that's not something that happens. I mean, it's happened a lot more around the league this year. There, there's been a few teams that have carried three goaltenders at times, but it, it's, you know, the Leafs have the cap space to do it, but I, I yeah. think that a, a decision might have to come around trade deadline time when they're, kind of assessing what they're able to add to the team and, and you know not just cap, cap wise but roster spots as well that's what i was thinking like if they're gonna if they're gonna want to add some depth on the blue line and they're gonna need to use the cap space from from klingberg's ltir and, and all that like are they gonna be able to keep another one of these guys around and if a team comes knocking and offers you something for jones that you know either helps you and your ammo to get what you're looking for this year or just helps you recoup assets for the future it doesn't matter but like I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Well, you know what it's going to be, right? It's going to be Murphy's Law. It's going to be the reverse (laughs) David Riddick trade where you get a third rounder back for Jones and then he goes and has a wicked playoff run and the other two guys stink. And Jones' insanity run for fucking like, I don't even know who. And in all honesty, I think that's that's the one thing that might keep the Leafs you know, of the mind of keeping all three goaltenders the rest of the way because, you know, they don't want to get into a situation where that's what costs them a playoff series. You know, maybe they had the guy and they let him go and they run into issues and they don't have an answer to turn to. I think that that's the the one thing that might keep all three guys around for the rest of the, the season here. Well, let's talk a little lineup news because uh, Callie Yarncroak is going to be out of commission for a few weeks now. It's three to four weeks total, and luckily, like a week and a half of that gets eaten up by the All-Star break. So that's good because this is a versatile guy in this lineup, one of the best defensive forwards you have. I don't think it's much of a stretch to say that, like, as a as a group, this is one of the weaker, uh, you know, forward groups as far as, you know, defensively uh, over the last few seasons. 
reasons. I think that they, they lost a lot on that front. Uh, obviously, David Kampf becoming a ghost is a part <laughs> of that. Uh, and I mean, you know, other other moves that have kind of weakened you there. So I, I think that this is a, a loss that could hurt. I, I don't imagine that Ryan Reeves is going out there and potting one every night. So uh, they're going to get need to get some contributions. Hey, credit to Revo, though. Like He came in and he had what was easily his best game as a Leaf after not being in the lineup for over a month. So he definitely deserves credit for what he was able to do in Winnipeg um, on Saturday night. But yeah, Yaron Croak is a huge loss, man. I don't think that he's gotten enough credit for how important he's been to this team, not only this year, but going back to last year. He really is the Swiss Army knife that he's kind of the fixer, right? Like Sheldon Keefe throws him out there in all kinds of different situations with different line combos. And he, he, you know, Keefe has alluded to not really knowing which players he can trust. And I think Yaron Croak is one of the few that he doesn't have those questions about. And uh, yeah, he, he's kind of been a glue guy, almost acts as a, a bit of a, a babysitter of, of sorts on that line with uh, Domi and Nick Robertson. So he's a huge loss and, you know, it's going to be on some other guys to kind of step up and pull a little bit more of the weight uh, while they wait for Yaron Croak to recover and get back into the lineup here. Yeah, he's kind of become Keith's Kerfoot this year, right? Like, which, but, but way say better. We, say, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, say, say what you want about Kerfoot though, like, I think they miss him on the defensive side of the puck this year. I, Absolutely. I will be oh, brave yeah. enough to and, say that. And Kerfoot's having a, a good year in Great Arizona. Year. And well. even Engvall, as much as the Isles fans want to feed him into a wood chipper right now, apparently. <laughs> Don't even. I'll, I'll, I'll listen on Kerfoot, but no. no. Get out of here. No, I just, mean, I just mean defensively, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, not saying yeah. I want him. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> no, but it is a bit of it. It's a bit of the 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 sum is greater. I don't, I, I'm going to butcher this saying, but you know what I'm trying to say. The part, uh, the ooh, baby thing. Nick. No, Hand off it. that mantle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do it, Keith. I want to hear what you got here. Uh, no, um, but <laughs> it might not. Like you don't necessarily miss Alex Kerfoot or Pierre Engvall or uh, Zach Aston Reese or who. You know what I mean? But maybe the kind of just I don't know the 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 overall team defense certainly was a lot better. Now I think we were all on record saying that we kind of didn't love Dubas consistently doubling down on the guys that do nothing when they're on the ice but the other team doesn't do anything so anyways no i don't want to go down that path too far but i think that's i think that that there's a case to be made that somebody's gonna have to step up in the you know top nine and kind of batten down the hatch a little bit defensively and and maybe play the game a little bit differently than they normally do and i don't don't know if they have the personnel to replace a kerfoot for or sorry a yarn croak for an extended (laughs) period of time but um yeah, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. I, I don't know. Like, do you just give Holmberg the, that role and just say, do, you I know, think he, he's do what probably he did? The, yeah, he's probably the best candidate to at least, you know, be some kind of a poor man's version of Yaron Croak. I think he, he's probably a, some kind of blend of a David Camp and Yaron Croak when he's at his best. Uh, probably not quite as good at, as Yaron Croak and maybe not as bad as what David Camp has been this season. But yeah, I'd say he's probably the, the prime candidate to fill that role if they keep everything else as is and 
don't move things around too much. Now, obviously, you're not giving him Yarncroak's responsibilities, but you know, if you're if you're shifting other guys around and you're freeing up some minutes elsewhere, and maybe a guy who is you know riding on power play two is now doing a little more penalty killing, and you need to free up some space. I, I need to see more Nick Robertson out there, man. Like he he just yeah, uh, he, and yeah. he's earned it too. exactly. You know, he he you're gonna get the the mistakes, but like he he's got to make those mistakes, and like he he he's just too much of a, a potential weapon on a, on a team that doesn't have a whole lot of them down the lineup. And, you know, it, 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 the time has come. Yeah. I think like when he's out there and in the offensive zone or like gets the puck on his stick in transition, you at least feel like there's a chance something is going to happen. Yeah. Like I, I don't want to call him an X factor, but he's got, there, there's just, there's something there that, you know, a lot of the other guys in the forward group or the bottom of the forward group don't, have necessarily um and yeah he's he's worked he's kept his head down he's you know he hasn't complained about being out of the lineup when you know maybe a lot of people felt he shouldn't be and i think he's really kind of hit the ground running since getting back into the lineup here and credit to keith you know he he leaned on him and saw that he was going in that first game and robertson you know ended up coming up huge setting up the uh, overtime winner there uh, so yeah, credit to Robertson for getting back in there and making something happen, but also credit to Keith for, you know, seeing that he had his legs, seeing that he was one of the guys who was kind of making things happen yeah. out there offensively. And, and Robertson played more minutes than he had at any point in his NHL career. And I, I think Keith has continued to, over the last couple of games, just give him a little bit more than he, than he has early on in the season. And it, it's going to come down to that, Cam, just like you said. And, and you've been saying it for a while, too. Like, it, you've got to be able to live with some of the bumps in the road if you're going to have this player develop and, and get the, the best out of him and, and utilize his strengths, which are obviously his shot and ability to kind of make things happen in the offensive zone. And for a team that's been, you know, struggling for depth scoring and not really getting it from some of the guys that they expected to be getting it from. Uh, you've really got to continue running with this kid and see what he's got in a, in a larger role, I think. Yeah. I mean, it's like you said, he has the ability to make plays in in, in the offensive zone and in the neutral zone. And there aren't a whole lot of guys in the bottom six that are able to do that. And he meshes pretty well with Domi. They, they seem to kind of have a bit of chemistry going and kind of have all year really. Um, So I think, yeah, I I, I think you got to give him a little bit more of an opportunity. I think in, in, in both of those games, he got shots off in just really tight spaces. And when he's only getting what, like 11 or 12 minutes of ice time a night, like, getting one or two really good scoring chances a game is it's that's pretty good in, in limited ice time. Right. Um, well, he's pacing for like 20 goals and 20 assists over 82 like games. Over, I, yeah. yeah, so yeah like, I saw that even with the, you know, the defensive mistakes that might, might come along like that's valuable contribution uh, offensively, especially, f- you know, for a team that has desperately been looking for that and, and say what you will about Robertson defensively. Like he's never going to short you on effort. Like he's at least trying to get back and break up plays. Maybe he doesn't always know the, the correct route to take or where exactly he's supposed to be, but those are things that he will continue to get better at and learn over time. Like the fact that he's putting in the effort and willing to get in there and battle against bigger, stronger guys, like it, it, he's, he's done everything he can to, 
to continue to earn a longer look here. And he's got that, you know, strong stick checking that, you know, they look for, right? Like he's, he's always going to have the issues with, with getting out muscled and that's going to take some work. And obviously, you know, the smarts that come with experience, but like, you know, he's, he's a a good little, you know, stick checker when he, when he can sneak in there on you and, and steal it away from you. I mean, obviously saw it on that overtime winner, right? So it's, uh, I mean, he's, he's just such a talented guy. And like, you know, when you have the personnel in past years, like you say, Nick, you can throw them out there and nothing happens for either team when they're on the ice. Like, okay, you can see why you have a hard time rolling Nick Robertson over the boards when you know that he's going to, you know, make some mistakes. But like when the other option is, you know, your guy who's making five and a half mil and producing like a third liner and looks like he shows up to, uh, you know, the bar drives his ATV to the bar. Uh, <laughs> like you know, give Robertson a little run here. Yeah, and I think what just on the topic of Robertson's defensive play too. Like Mike Johnson says this quite a bit on his like radio hits and stuff. Is that playing defense is one of the easier things to do in the NHL? Like playing sound structured. Like it's it's more most of the time like a will, not a skill. Right. So yeah. He's never been given anything really with this team. He's had to earn it. He's kind of been put in positions with where Keith doesn't necessarily trust him. So then you're, I like you see him out there busting ass. Like I don't think there's an effort issue with his defensive play. I think it's just an inexperience and a lack of strength for the most part. And those things will come. So I think he just needs to get out there and keep making mistakes and learning yeah. from them. He, he's an NHLer. Um, you know, it's just a matter of where he's going to get that opportunity. And I think that there should be. Plenty of it here for him, at least, you know, up until the trade deadline and, and whether it's a showcase or whether it's a, a role on the team, we'll see. But um, there's something there. So that's actually going to be really interesting because yeah. like the debate right now is, is Robertson more valuable in a trade or is he more valuable you know, as a, to the Leafs as an actual member of the team. And I think right now that answer is obvious. I don't think his trade value is super high around the league just because of all the injuries he's dealt with, kind of the inconsistencies of getting in and out of the, the Leafs lineup. But if he is able to kind of build off of this recent run here and, you know, prove to be a consistent offensive contributor in the NHL, you know, his value goes up, but in turn, so does his importance to the the team this year and moving forward. So it's going to be a really interesting thing to watch uh, heading into the trade deadline. And it might just come down to a, a fit thing and how true living wants to build this thing moving forward. So uh, let's talk a little bit about the blue line. Um, you know, as we mentioned the trade deadline, feel like that's going to be addressed perhaps in the, in the lead up. Uh, Keith, what, what have you got worked out for us here? I know you're always uh, (laughs) flipping stones and, and trying to find the right fit. So like, it it doesn't seem like a great, uh, a great selection. Not a great rental year for sure. I think you gotta, I think you gotta go the route of some term. Um, And then when you're talking about that, it's kind of just, hard to really narrow anybody down because it could be literally anybody. But I mean, I've, I've been pretty keen on somebody like Alexiak out of Seattle a few years left. I think Larson's name's been kicked around as an option too. Like you're going to pay obviously a bit more, but if you even maybe even not quite on that scale, but you look at kind of replicating, I think obviously the home run scenarios, you replicate the Muzzin deal and, and the same type of player in the same kind of you know term situation and that, that it has the ability to slide a TJ Brody down in the depth chart. But 
I don't know, you know, obviously that's a, that's arguably the best trade Dubas made, right? So it's kind of hard to just set the sights there. So even if it's a McCabe type trade, right, where you're coming in with a, a guy that's a little bit more in the kind of, you know, second pair, high end, third pair kind of guy. Um, I think even at that point, you'd be pretty happy with that. So I don't know what that looks like, but I think Tanev is obviously a name on the rental market that makes a lot of sense, but I almost am starting to feel like if that, if that was going to happen, it would have happened already. Like it's just, that's such an obvious fit in so many ways that I I almost wonder why it hasn't happened yet. So not looking good for it. I think, you know, with Tanev being the, the most obvious target on the market, um, you know, for a lot of teams, the price might get a little out of control there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like your point, Keith, about kind of looking for something with term. But I, I think really what they're going to be looking for is a specific kind of fit. Like, I don't think anybody would have called Luke Shen a top pair defenseman. But he came in and managed to fit really well alongside Morgan Riley and just kind of, you know, do his thing and allow Riley to play his own game. Well, it's important distinction to make too, like a top pair defenseman and kind of comes with the, you know, like the connotation that it's like your, your horse, your, your top guy, your, your yeah. PP1 guy. You know, they don't, that's not what they need. They need a five on five. And, and I shouldn't yeah. say that. A penalty kill, obviously, they need some help in the penalty kill too. But yeah. Yeah, they, they just need to find like the right kind of player that gets Brody out of that role and, and still allows Riley to flourish. Because I think this season, Riley is playing arguably the best hockey of his career. And it's been in spite of Brody rather than, you know, thanks to, to Brody in some way. Yeah. Uh, he's, you know, obviously Brody's had some stuff going on off the ice, like the death of his father uh, not too long ago, uh, the, the uh, multiple sclerosis diagnosis to his wife that, you know, he, he's got a lot going on off the ice. But, you know, the fact remains he hasn't really been getting the job done in the role that that, that he's been employed in. And if the Leafs are going to kind of shore things up, that's the, the number one area that needs to be addressed. I think if, if you can slot Brody down and find another player of that ilk, the, a Luke Shen type or, a, you know, kind of a lesser version of Chris Tanev if you can't nab him, just someone that, that accentuates the things that Riley does well, then you can kind of slop Brody down and things start looking a lot different on the back end. I'll tell you, I won't love if it's Ilya Labushkin. Seems to be getting a lot of love lately, and I don't, I don't know about that one. It would be underwhelming. Underwhelming, yep. Like that's, yeah, that's fair. No, not 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 what you need. Not what you need. No, they don't um, need. They have. They don't. They have Benoit. Like I, I'd be just as comfortable with Benoit doing the things that Labushkin can do. I, they need somebody to to come in from the top and push this push this whole unit down a bit. I think they're really going to be zeroing in on a right-handed shot. I don't know if you guys caught. Sheldon Keefe's comments uh, last week when Mark Giordano was a scratch for a couple of games and they got Connor Timmons in there. Keefe said uh, a part of it was getting another right-handed shot back there to help them break the puck out on that side of the ice and, and things like that. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of zero in uh, on a right-handed option and you know maybe a guy like Alexiak or, or another lefty would be maybe a, a consolation kind of target for them. Yeah. So uh, heading into All-Star break, of course, and, um, you know, Leafs are well represented. Um, you know, All-Star game, it's not really for us, right? You know, it's it's for the kids. But um, I, I think that 
there's some excitement around like the skills side of it because as mm, my definitely. As, as I understand it, you know the, the players kind of got together and, and uh, remodeled it a little bit, made it something a little more something that they would like to actually participate in. Is my understanding so? <laughs> yeah, not fake an injury. <laughs> I, I don't know all the changes exactly. I know they've got the All Star Draft Thursday night, of course, but uh, they've kind of gone back to like the the old school skills competition, uh, from what I understand. Which is like that's what we grew up watching. Which you actually like maybe it's because we were younger and we're old now. But I remember actually getting really excited to watch the old school straight up skills competition. And even last year, like. Going from watching the NHL's All Star Weekend and then watching the American Hockey League skills competition, like that was so much more entertaining. It was just, you know, those basic four targets for the accuracy shooting. They had the puck control relay, they got the hardest shot, just the fastest skater. Like, that, that's what people you don't like see. watching guys shoot shoot pocky pucks on in the Bellagio fountains in Las Vegas. You didn't you didn't enjoy that? I mean, as Cam said, <laughs> not for us. Oh man, I blocked that out of my brain. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like, I, I this this will be the first all uh, you know all star. I probably still won't watch the game, but like this will be the first skills competition that I probably sit down and watch start to finish. There's actually some intrigue to it. Um, yeah, well, they've got some stakes too. Guys like, are going to try a million bucks it's a on million the line. dollars. Yeah. <laughs> like that's that's they all make a lot of money, but they're matter. not going to yeah. you know that's turn a blind eye to a million bucks if they can win it. And the fact that they, I like that they can all kind. Of, I think I think don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure they can all kind of pick their four that they want to compete in or something along those lines. Okay, cool. And then then there's a final where they all have to do a little bit of something. I should have looked this up, but I'm butchering this. But there's some element uh, of I that. did see Matthews saying that – He didn't want to have I, to – He I doesn't have see. to be the fastest skater and he was like, sweet. Like, yeah. 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 Well, I think his quote was, no one wants to see me doing the fastest <laughs> skater. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be cool, though, to see the, the Leafs so well represented at home. And, you know, it, it's a, a cool honor, especially for a guy like Morgan Riley, who's just, you know, been the consummate pro, done everything yeah. for this organization. Super deserving. Life for having a great season. So it, it's good to see him get that recognition. It's crazy that this is Riley's first All-Star. Did he just have his best years like, when, they, like, was there no all like, I mean, like I feel like the whole COVID thing, I just don't remember anything, but maybe was there just not an all-star well, game? It'd be like, you know, it, when you were competing with just the guys in your division and there were like, you know what? Three defenseman spots yeah. and Hedman gets one automatically every time. Mm-hmm. And, and then you know, there was Carlson Chara was in the division and, for a while. Like, yeah, you know, I, it, it was, I feel like that was probably what he ran into, but it's just a guy who's, you know, so productive year to year. And it's, uh, it's just hard to believe that this is his first go at it, but uh, yeah, good, good to see him there. There's a lot of like, less than flattering narratives around Morgan Riley in the early parts of his career. And, you know, like even up to last year, like before he came back from injury and you really rebounded in the playoffs, like Riley was not having a, a fantastic year, but I just think, you know, when all is said and done and we look back 10, 15 years from now, there's going to be a lot of people who go, man, Morgan Riley was underappreciated yeah. because I think people are already kind of starting to come around to that a little bit. Obviously the way he's playing this season hasn't hurt, but you know he's he's a guy who has, has probably deserved a little bit more of the limelight than he's gotten over the years. Yeah, uh, PWHL participating in in some of the uh, All Star festivities as well, so that'll be cool to see. Um, Toronto is in tank mode already <laughs> in, the, in the PWHL, which you know yeah, I, I think it's not been Sarah good. Fillier, eh? No, it's not been great. But you know, Sarah Fillier, I believe, is projected to be among the top picks in, in the. 
in the next draft. So it's not a, a bad prize if, if they do end up uh, finishing near the bottom of the standing. Yeah, not uh, not quite the expectation, though, coming in, I don't think. Not that it was uh, an easy thing to really nail down with you know just a, a completely new league springing up. It's kind of hard to figure out where all the teams are going to slot in with all new rosters. But I think when they took a 35-year-old yeah, with the second overall yeah. pick, they were probably expecting to win a few more games. Yeah, you want to compete when that's the case, I would I would think. Passing on a... How old is Alina Mueller? Like 23, 24 years old? And by all accounts, a, a superstar in waiting. And, you know, they, they passed on her to take you know, Jocelyn LaRock, who obviously a, a legend of the Canadian women's hockey team, one of the, the greatest uh, defensemen to ever play the women's game. But, you know, you're, you're passing on a, a young up-and-coming player to take on a, a seasoned veteran. You're definitely uh, probably not expecting to be bottoming out that year. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. Hey, you guys want to remember a leaf? Sure do. You, got? you guys remember Jay McClement? Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. David Camp before David Camp came. Yeah, that's a that's a decent way of describing it, I suppose. Yeah. He was like he, he was leaned on like crazy back then, though. Like, oh, he, he, yeah. don't kind of tell me. <laughs> I mean, Randy Carlisle. You look back at some him. of those rosters. Yeah, yeah. He was definitely a, a Randy's pet for sure. Yeah. Was he on the? the it was four one team. Um. Yeah, he was. Yeah. He was, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, yeah, he was, there were some ugly lines, <laughs> ugly lines. He, he, yeah, they would just throw him out there in the middle between, uh, you know, whoever they Matt, had on wing. Matt Frazier, McLaren. And- it, didn't, it didn't matter who it was. There was there was nothing fruitful coming out when, uh, when Jay McLaren and Cole uh, Norn, Frazier, McLaren. <laughs> How long was it, two years or three? I think it was two. I was just looking at it. Yeah, two seasons. Two years, yeah, yeah. The forty-eight felt games. like a lot longer. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Like I remember actually being like excited about that signing when it was first announced, and that should just tell that, a lot that, of people that who, era of the <laughs> Yeah, if you weren't around in that era, you know. Hey man, his, count your his, stars. <laughs> his first season with the Leaf broke broke the playoff drought. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> Maybe, maybe we got to bring him back on the on the bench. Get, yeah, get him involved. He, he was, Mike he Van was, Ryan's worked out so well with the with the blue lines. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's get his old teammate back. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. Well. Um. Not not to end it on a sour note here, but I, I just wanted to quickly chat about this because this is obviously a story that has been uh, you know developing over the last couple of years, and especially this last uh, week or so, as uh, five members of the 2018 Canadian World Junior Team have uh, turned themselves in and been charged with sexual assault uh, by police in London. Um, and you know, we, we know who they are now after kind of a, a lot of, you know, just speculation and, and kind of, um, uh, just a, 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 a massive void of information, I yeah. guess, uh, surrounding this, the last little while, um, Dylan Dubé, Carter Hart, Michael McLeod, Cal Foot, Alex Formanton, um, I mean, 
obviously due process, etc. But it's it's nice to see that they're not just going to get off scot free, which it, it kind of always feels like is going to end up being the the case when when the, these kinds of things happen. So um, you know, who knows what's actually going to come of this? But uh, at the very least, a, a charge is a lot more than usually happens in this kind of a, a circumstance. So it's good to see some amount of accountability at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you said it, Cam. It's just nice to see, you know, at least some more steps towards a resolution and potential justice there. So, yeah, I'm not going to comment on it too much. Uh, I mean, like you said, due process and all that. But it is nice to see some steps being taken towards a, a resolution here. The one thing I will say is that Calgary's statement is gross. Like, yeah, if you're 100%. like now, I mean. I've seen some people being like, well, maybe they didn't know. Bullshit. They knew. Like, of course they knew. Yeah. Like, to come out and frame it as he's taking time, you know, to, to get his mental health together or, or whatever, taking time for his mental health. Like, first of all, that's just like, that's such an insult to people who actually have to do that. It, like, it, they owe they owe an apology, I think, in, in all of this for that to be their statement. So, actually, as you say this, Keith, it uh, looks like they've just put out a statement about 10 minutes ago. <laughs> Um, so it's, it's you know, there's apologize. not really an apology, but, uh, uh, it, we have now become aware of the charge of sexual assault, et cetera, just et cetera. Now, yeah. huh? So just oh, bullshit. Yeah. Sure. Um, so yeah, safe to say that that's uh, not, but still no not mention exactly. that we shouldn't have said what we said. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's the accountability yeah. I usually expect. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know exactly. I mean? <laughs> that's the NHL um, we know. Yeah. So anyway, we don't need due process to say those guys can eat shit. Um, <laughs> yeah. Here, here. So uh, Super Bowl's coming up, boys. Um, mm. Nick condolences, obviously. <sighs> who's who's betting against Patrick Mahomes? Because I'm not sure I'm going to do it again. Yeah. Ugh, I don't even want to watch his stupid <laughs> face in another football game. Man, I hate. Uh, I hate him so much. I can't stand him either. Uh, I, I can't. I don't know if I've said this before, but like, I can't stand him to the fact that I fully believe that the whole ankle injury last year was embellished to be. Just like a, a part a, of the four of, of TV the lore. moments, yeah. yeah. When he's limping off the sidelines every, but then somehow turns it loose and runs forty five yards up the field. But anyways, yeah. We don't I mean, I, like, <laughs> I haven't liked him for a number of years now, like for obvious reasons. He, he's been a bit of a thorn in the side of the Bills. But like the the regular season game earlier this year, when you know there was yeah. a couple questionable calls down the stretch of the game, the Bills ended up winning. You know how like when the quarterbacks go meet up midfield after a game and dap each other up and good game, yeah. bro. You know has a family, blah blah blah. He's still complaining. Like, he's still complaining. Like not <laughs> a, a, a positive word to Josh. He's coming up and like giving him a high five and a hug. Like, bro, can you believe that call? We lost to you guys because of that call. Like, ah, oh, like just one of the least likable. athletes that i could ever recall seeing (laughs) you guys are so cynical man one of the greats (laughs) i'm enjoying this i am enjoying this it's uh yeah he's 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 a treat to watch Uh, that's what i said i said it to you guys in the group chat like all you know all of that aside like they are entering patriots territory where you just have to respect it unfortunately yeah and everyone that's cheering (laughs) for the chiefs now is cheering for the patriots back then too it's oh god (laughs) (laughs) We're gonna we're gonna call it before Nick just gets himself in. <laughs> I'll say it's the least here. exciting. It's the least exciting Super Bowl outcome of all the teams that were left. Like 
That's 100% true. Detroit Baltimore would have been incredible. But this is probably going to be a much better football game. So at least there's that. Like it, it likely will be high quality football, but the two teams in it don't excite me whatsoever. Yeah. Well said. No, you're right. And especially after, you know, the, the story of the lions and the way that went down. Oh man, that was, yeah. that was rough. I think pretty much everybody whose team was already out, uh, you know, aside from maybe you guys and other fans of NFC North division. But teams, even then, no, man, I didn't care. Even I still then, wanted to I, see them. They were, I, they're, they were they're so they're just a likable story and a likable team. Yeah. And, and there's just some sort of kinship to being a Leafs fan to just dog shit, <laughs> historical franchises, which is half the reason why I chose right. the bears. So it's like, they kind of fall in that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I kind of got uh, some of the vibes watching the Ravens there, you know, Lamar Jackson was so good in the regular season and just did not hear, there. In the did playoffs. you hear that on Kipper and Bourne? Kiprios compared Lamar Jackson to Austin Matthews. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm sure that was brilliant. Um, (laughs) Yeah, Keith, we we picked the Bears because it's like, you know, it's a nice medium. It's like, okay, well, you can't pick a front runner, but you can't like pick someone who's who's way too miserable and never going to see success like Detroit. Here they are in the fucking <laughs> NFC Championship game. Where are we? <laughs> uh, Still God. deciding if we're going to keep the quarterback that can't get it done or for the second year in a row with the first overall pick. Oh, uh, well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Well, uh, all-star break. Um, you know, we'll we'll do it again soon. Hopefully they keep uh, keep things rolling out of the out of the break here and Ilya Samsonov doesn't uh, do whatever that was he was doing the first part of the year. <laughs> Whatever the hell you call it. Might have to get his dad to move over. (laughs) Life coach. (laughs) 